0: all right everyone I don't think I need a microphone do I I think I can do it without the mic today yeah everyone can everyone hear me all right all right good because without a mic I can speak a little louder um and I like I like preaching over teaching it's kind of fun by the way those of us uh, who are on the retreat we have a little symbol of appreciation for Miss Maria here so Maria we appreciate all that you do. Maria is an example of what Christian service looks like just Giving your very best and doing it as unto the Lord, and then we get the benefit we get benefit from from that kind of love and service. And so may all of us do whatever we do mightily as unto the Lord and doing and doing everything with excellence. The food was excellent. Everything she does, she makes with love. It's really, really incredible. So um, let's all try to be like Maria when we grow up, all right? So, so today, it's one of those unusual days that only happens once every seven or eight years, where Halloween falls on a Sunday. And some of you know that I have th- some theological training, a little church history background. I'll give you some of the, some of the, um, the background of what is Halloween. And there's so much controversy amongst Christians and in the church about about Halloween. Uh, Halloween was um, a pagan ritual of the fall solstice. Uh, druids and pagan um, priests in in uh, ancient times, especially in what probably would be considered like the 300s to 1300 AD in Europe, Germany, uh, all over. What would be today in France and Belgium, uh, there, was, there was paganism, uh, ritual sacrifice, sometimes even human sacrifice, bloodletting. And the pagan idea of the solstice was um, the transition from summer to fall. And the belief was that you could commune with the dead as the seasons change because the veil between life and death was so thin. And so, and of course, we read in the Bible where the witch of Endor conjures the ghost of Samuel. And Samuel's ghost speaks with King Saul. There is is something about uh, divination, communing with the dead, witchcraft. All these things are real. But just, just so you know, if the devil's real, God is also real, right? So yeah. if, there's, if there's power in the darkness, there's also power in the kingdom, everybody. Yeah. So we don't have to be afraid. Uh, we, we serve uh, a God who's already won the victory at the cross. Yeah. Our, our, our foe is already defeated. He just hasn't finished fighting all the battles yet. And we know that we win. If you read the book and you skip to the end, you'll find out that we win in the end. Um, But uh, what's interesting about Halloween, how it came to the Christian calendar, of course, as uh, Christian missionaries came from Rome and other places and began to plant churches and preach the gospel all over Europe, primarily. they came up with many holidays and rituals to align with the pagan holidays to try to evangelize people who didn't believe in God. So they would share Christ, they would share uh, biblical principles. In fact, Christmas, you know, is not exactly technically Jesus's birthday. You know that, that's uh, that's the winter solstice. And so they decided to make that Jesus's birthday because it was a perfect, uh, perfect way during the darkest day of the year to talk about how God sent the light into the world um, so these holidays that we have on the Gregorian calendar many of them used to be pagan holidays that became Christianized and so uh, Halloween in the Catholic Church was known as All Saints Day and on this day they would dress up as the different Saints of old um, whether it was Polycarp or Saint Stephen or Catherine or you could name all these Catholic Saints all these people who that died for their faith who were martyred or did something great for God in the early church Uh, they would dress up and tell the stories of these saints and I think that's where some of the dress up came from um, especially in the Catholic tradition and uh, uh, the whole idea of trick or treat uh, a lot of that started with churches where they would would (laughs) try to get people to to engage and um, there's a lot of darkness around it of course there is a there's a dark element to it of course in Mexico we have uh, I want to say this right Dia de Muerto Right, it's the Day of the Dead, and um, same idea that on Halloween you're communing with the dead or recognizing or venerating uh, your dead relatives. And again, the Bible really condemns that. It, it, it that that is. Um, Communing with the dead is not advised <laughs> and because we're not supposed to talk to Uncle Joe about the things that we, you know, that we should do. We should be talking to Jesus. We should be talking to God. There, sh- There is no other mediator between us and God. We, we don't talk to our dead relatives. Um, and even though you might even have had an apparition or had an encounter with a ghost or with uh, spirits or spirit voices or those kinds of things, I, my, my belief personally is that those are familiar spirits. That, that's a demon speaking with Uncle Joe's voice. If you're ever in a seance, or if you're ever in it, that kind of thing, and you, you're you not really talking to Uncle Joe. <laughs> you're talking to a demon who knew Uncle Joe, and who's giving giving all this insider information. And so, we want to stay away from the occult. We want to stay from the away from the deeds of darkness. We don't, we want to, like Jesus said, we want to be innocent towards that which is evil, and wise towards that which is good. And so... On this All Saints Day, I would like to terrify the devil. There are three things that terrify the devil. You want to hear what they are? The blood of Jesus is terrifying to the devil. The blood of Jesus is the most powerful element we have in the universe. The blood of Jesus redeems us. It buys us back. It declares us righteous. When God looks at us because of the blood, He doesn't see you in your sin. He sees what Jesus has covered you in. His own precious blood. The atoning sacrifice. Good once for all time. Amazing. There's nothing like the blood. Nothing like the blood of Jesus. It's, it's so powerful, the enemy can't stand the blood. You hear that, devil? <laughs> the blood is Jesus. And we are covered in it. We are covered in blood. Mm, he hates that. Because if you're trying to atone for your own sins, you're trying to do religious practice and exercise, it will never be enough. In the Old Testament, when they were sacrificing animals, and even the pagans today, when pagans try to sacrifice animals, or they cut themselves to bleed, it's never enough blood. It's never enough. But Jesus' blood is more than enough. Good once for all time. Ooh, I could go on about the blood for a long time, but i got other things to teach about. The second thing the devil truly hates, the devil is terrified by, is the name of Jesus. There is no other name given under heaven, Jesus Christ, whereby men could be saved. The highest name, the name of Jesus is bigger than fear. The name of Jesus is bigger than cancer. The name of Jesus is bigger than debt and bankruptcy. The name of Jesus is bigger than alcoholism and addiction. The name of Jesus is more powerful than anything that you'll ever encounter. At the name of Jesus, God created the universe and everything that's in it. He made you through the very word of God. Jesus, the word made flesh. It was through him that all things that are made that are made. And nothing is made that wasn't made through him. The name of Jesus. Now you could have a conversation with people and you could bring up Buddha. No problem. You can have a conversation and talk about uh, um, Muslims. You can talk about Islam. And you can talk about Muhammad. No problem. You want to stop a conversation? Bring up the name of Jesus. Hey, let's talk about Jesus. oh It's almost like they they got busted in the middle of a conversation. Like, ooh, let's not not talk about that. Anything but Jesus. Talk about Muhammad. Talk about Buddha. Talk about God in general terms. I'm comfortable talking about God because it's nebulous. It's like vanilla ice cream. I can form him into whatever I want him to be. But the minute you start talking about Jesus, whoa. The devil cannot stand the name. The blood and the name. And you know the thing that the devil cannot stand? Is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Father, we... Worship you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We exalt the name of Jesus. Just give Him praise right now. We don't need music. We don't have to have anything. God, just give Jesus praise. We exalt you, Jesus. We lift you up. We glorify you. We make you big. You are bigger than our problems, Father. You're bigger than everything we face. Your name is above every other name. And at the name of Jesus, we bow today. And every problem must bow and our sins are washed away not because of anything we've done but because of what Jesus did. We receive your blood and we come in your name and we worship you, we exalt you, we magnify you, God. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this room, into this place and on the feed here today. The presence of God. The presence of God. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he's right here among us. (sighs) The presence of God. Something happens when we just start talking about Jesus, when we start talking about the blood, when we start reading the word of God. And the word, I, I think all of that, Jesus is the word, right? We learn about the blood through the word. And that we worship and praise and, and curry the presence of God through what He's already written down. When we pray back to Him what He's already revealed to us. We don't just form God in our own image and make Him who we want Him to be. No, no. He's already revealed Himself. And then we exalt Him for who He is. Waymaker. Miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness that is who you are right he's a good good father he's all these things that we've been singing about already today let's make the devil shake on his day you know the other thing the devil gets scared by is people on their knees a church on their knees praying men and women praying praying I was <laughs> someone that said that about John Wesley and he's young you know the the first thing the devil says when he when John Wesley wakes up is, Oh no, he's awake <laughs> I think that that ought to be what the devil thinks, like, oh thank God they're asleep oh no, they're awake, they're praying again, oh no, they're worshiping again, oh no, they're telling people about Jesus again, oh no <laughs> let's terrify the devil. On this unholy day of his, and let's make it holy in Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Jesus Amen. Amen. So I have a message based on Second Peter. There's only three chapters in this in this letter from the apostle, and I've titled it "The Shepherd's Toolkit." Ah. The Shepherd's Toolkit. Now you got to forgive the the uh, hemp hippie packer bag here. Just just pretend this is from like back in King David's time, right? <laughs> What, is, what does the shepherd need? Well, we know they have a rod and a staff, right? And they probably have a few things in the bag to eat, right? Nourishment. And they might have some medicines to take care of the sheep. And we're going to look at the shepherd's toolkit today. And Peter was challenged with Jesus by this on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee when the Lord appeared to the disciples. Remember, Do you remember this story? Peter, who wrote this, this letter, he's on the boat. He's like, I'm going fishing. I quit this disciple stuff. This is terrible. I'm, I'm going back to what I know and what's familiar. And they're on the ship. And they're sailing across Galilee. And all of a sudden, there's someone on the shore, way off in the distance. And he says, hey men, have you caught anything? And they're like, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. And of course, Jesus had only appeared to them here and there. He'd only like, "Oh, we're going to see him again. We're not sure. He's, now he's like supernatural. And so they swim. He, he just swims to shore. Like he just hops off the boat and swims to shore. And the rest of them pull the boat in. And there's Jesus. He cooked breakfast on the beach. Roasted fish and probably some flatbread, right? Maybe some hummus. You've been to Israel, they love their chickpeas and hummus. I'll have hummus for breakfast. I don't know about you. And they're roasting the fish and they're sitting by Jesus around the fire, like, wow, I can't believe it. Here's Jesus again. As it was in the beginning, so it was in the end. Like, we started out this way. He said, hey, boys, cast your nets on the other side. You go, hey, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. He's like, hey, we're back to full circle now. Here we are at Galilee again. Sitting around the fire. And you remember the conversation. says, Peter, do you love me? In other words, what are you doing here, Pete? I commissioned you. I told you some stuff to do, and here you are fishing. Peter, do you love me? He goes, yeah, Lord, I love you. No. Do you phileo me? Do you love me like a brother? Yeah, Lord, I love you. And he asks him a third Peter, do you agape me? Do you really love me with, a, with God's love? Do you have a deep, abiding love for me? And the third time, Peter hears it and his feelings are hurt. He's like, Lord, of course. Of course I love you. And that was, many many ways, that was a reversal of his denial of Christ because he had denied Christ three times around the fire at Caiaphas' house. And Jesus is saying, then feed my sheep. you got to quit the fishing business. You're, you're not a fisherman anymore. Now you're a shepherd, Pete. You're, you're, I'm, I'm changing your job description. You may know how to fish, but I need you to care for my sheep. I need you to feed my sheep. I need you to look after these followers and to make new disciples to raise up the lambs and the ewes and, and rams and, and raise up flocks within my fold. Can you imagine that sense that Peter had? Like, wow, okay, <laughs> okay, Jesus, all right. Listen, I'm not comfortable with this. This is not familiar for me. It, I, would, I would much rather do things that I know how to do I would much rather flow in what I know about in my experience. And God saying, I don't care about your experience. I'm taking you someplace new. I want you to be a shepherd. And so that's kind of the context when you think about Peter and much of what what I'm going to talk about here today in 2 Peter. What's, what's the book about? Well, it's a follow-up to the first letter that we covered last week. And he prepares the church to stand against false teachers. He also answers some questions about the return of Christ. Um, Well, who wrote it? Of course, Peter, the apostle. And when did it happen? He probably wrote it around 64 AD. That's probably a pretty good mark for when it happened. Um, And where does it fit in? Well, it's near the end of Peter's life. We know from church history that Peter actually um, was under severe persecution in Rome. Um, most likely the Apostle Paul had probably been martyred at this point, and church history tells this story. It's not in the Bible, but this is a story in church history, and I, I, believe, I believe it's probably true. Peter was running away from Rome. He was leaving the city, because he knew that they were gonna kill him, they were gonna arrest him, and they were, that he was gonna be martyred. And as he's walking on this road away from the city of Rome, suddenly Jesus appears to Peter on the road. He says, Peter, where are you going? And actually, no, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to Rome to die again for the people. And and from that encounter, Peter says, no, Lord, (laughs) I'll go to Rome. I'll do what you've commanded me to do, to preach the gospel, to make disciples and to, to pay whatever price that you need me to pay. And as the story goes, when Peter returned to Rome, he was arrested and they decided that they were going to crucify him as they crucified Christ. And he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. And so if you've ever seen the, the peace symbol, that upside down cross with the crossbars kind of broken, that's the cross of St. Peter. The idea of Peter being crucified upside down. And so he suffered for the Lord. He was a martyr for the Lord. And the breakdown of this book is this, that first of all, chapter 1, he defends the truth. Chapter 2, he warns against false teachers. And chapter 3, he's correcting mistaken ideas about Christ's return. Key concepts of this letter are faith, growth, scripture, and Christ's return. You can read this book in about five minutes. All right? So it's, if, you, if you just have a steady pace, you can get through it. Some verses worth memorizing in this book. Uh, First, chapter 1, verse 5 and 7, it says, Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone Uh, chapter 1 verse 20 and 21 above all you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophets own understanding or from human initiative no those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God Chapter 3, verses 8 th- uh, through 9. You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. In this masculine perspective, and He speaks of faithfulness, Peter mentions uh, two Old Testament men, Noah and Lot, who were spared from destruction around them because they were faithful to God. Chapter two, verses four through nine. If these men were able to resist the pressure to conform, surely God can give us the strength to be faithful also. The first tool in the shepherd's toolkit is the staff, or sometimes it has a hook on the top of it. A hook, right? Why? What? Why the hook? What was the hook for? Yes, it's like an extended hand. It's kind of like the grabber. Remember the grabber? You're going to go from the top and then you grab it. The the hook was like you could grab a sheep by the back leg and pull them to you. And you got the whole sheep and put them on your shoulders. Uh, In in Israel, on my first trip, I was actually able to go to a kibbutz that had... uh, goats and lambs, and they made their own goat cheese and their own bread. I was able to put a lamb on my shoulders and take a a picture with it. And and it's very cool to kind of just be in that pastoral setting uh, in Israel with these sheep. And the staff is, is not meant as a weapon. The staff is just meant as a way to guide the sheep. They're just hey, we're going to the pen over here now. Going to give it a little tap tap that way. We're going that way, and the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, and they just they just keep on going. Even today in the Middle East, people are they are they're sheep herders. They'll go to town, and shepherds are not worried about their sheep intermingling with each other because they know the voice of their own shepherd. There might be they might be going to market and they have their flocks and they're all intermingled, and when it's time to separate, the shepherd just goes. Has some kind of call that they recognize, you know, whether it's a or or some kind of some kind of thing that he always does. They go, oh, "That's my shepherd." Just, they'll just they'll just leave the intermingled and they'll follow their shepherd wherever he goes. And Jesus says, "I am the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd of the sheep, and he calls Peter to be a shepherd. And know what? Those of you who are growing in your faith and you're being discipled, he's calling you to be a shepherd." to care for other people and their spiritual needs. You go, but I don't know enough. I'm not, I'm not really well educated. I don't really, haven't read all the Bible. No, no. <laughs> doesn't matter what you know or don't know. Just be a good shepherd. <laughs> right? Guide, protect those who God puts under your care. Love them. Go after them. Help them along. Mm-hmm. Do what you, you should do. Here's what Peter says in verse two of chapter one. He says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. By his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. Verse four, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused my human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and with knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and with godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Verse 10. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove you really are among um, those who God has called and chosen do these things and you will never fall away then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ he makes a charge to the church here to pay attention to scripture how do we how do we know what we're supposed to do of course we have the witness of the holy spirit right we have we have other people to kind of guide us in the circumstances but even more we have the Bible we have his word verse 16 he says for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes and when he received honor and glory from God the father the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay a close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Prophecy, Scripture, it's the staff. It guides us where to go the great shepherd is going this way no 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 you're getting off base over here a little too far that way come on come back over this way <laughs> come back to the middle this way no 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 That's too far Now over there okay that, that way that way that way that way right and we're called to lovingly correct and guide and when God does that to us we have to be okay Lord okay you're right I really want to go that way but you if you say no if you that's off limits okay Lord I'll submit. I'll do what you tell me to do. The second tool in the tool bag. Now think think about King David when he was out there. And of course, the one thing that wouldn't fit in the bag probably was a harp, right? He probably had a little, he probably had a little lap harp that he was out there, you know, writing psalms and making up songs to God and praising God out there, you know, singing to the sheep, you know, doing whatever. You know, teenage boys do out there in the field singing. I think about Johnny and what, what kind of songs he sings when no one else is around and it's just him and his guitar and he's making stuff up. You know, that's, that's probably what David was doing out there, just watching the sheep. Sheep don't care. They're like, meh. You know, they, they don't realize that they got it. It was a bad note, but nobody knows. You know, sheep don't sing, so they have no opinion about whether something's on pitch or not. And I've got to get this clasp off getting stuck here okay so we know that he ate cheese right because he when he was delivering food to his brothers at the battlefield with Goliath he got a little lunch here's a little bread some cheese they probably weren't cheese sticks but that's that's might string cheese from home I'm sure he had a little bag of water you know or, or watered-down wine you know children in Israel back then probably had some juice a juice box You know, and then in the bag or in his belt, we're not sure there'd be the rod, right? There'd be probably a club for us in, in Christian culture. We talk about the wooden spoon, right? (laughs) Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's what, that's actually in the Bible. And when David talks about, when Paul says, so what makes you think you can kill a giant? He goes, well, I, when any kind of wolf comes to kill the sheep, I always, I always scare off the wolf or kill the wolf. My, and he goes, you want to know my technique? And he goes, I've, well, I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear. I'm like, whoa, kid, what? He goes, I grab them by the jaw, and then I crack them over the head with my, with a club. Like he he did like slingshots, but he's like, here's my technique for killing wild animals. I grab them by the jaw and club them over the head. Can you imagine what kind of club you might have had to kill a lion or a bear? It was probably a pretty good one, right? Yeah. Something made of uh, olive wood or hickory or something, yeah. right? And so that's a shepherd's tool. That is something that we as believers have to club off the enemy sometimes, especially if you think about seasons like Halloween and evil wants to creep in and lies and fear and all the manipulation and the temptation. We're like, no, devil, bam, you're not, you're, not, you're not getting me with that one. I am free. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And you keep that club handy. <laughs> right? Amen. Ooh. Amen. Right? Got it on lock. I'm ready. And for us as believers, it's the Word of God. We battle in prayer. Right? And we declare the goodness of God, and here's what Peter says in chapter Two about the danger of false teachers and this is this is good for our church because really, in many ways we're being re- reinvented in this new location. God's going to draw different people than, than have ever come before. Some of the older folks have left have have fallen off, and new people are coming in. And as we develop more in the, in the years to come in this new spot, God's going to give us an opportunity with people. And our prayer is that God would guide the right people in and keep the wrong people away. He says this in chapter 2 verse 1, But there were also false teachers in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will, be, will, they will cleverly teach destructive heresies, and even deny the Master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of the truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago and in their destruction will not be delayed. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later... God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and He turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Now, if you know the story of Lot, calling him a righteous man is awfully generous, right? But God did rescue him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. There's more I could read on that, more more that you could expound upon. But let's look at verse thirteen. It says their destruction is their reward for the for the harm they've done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship. In their in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin. They are well-trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off from the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped by his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. If you remember that story. These people are as useless as dried up springs, as a mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty foolish boasting, with an appeal to twisted sexual desires. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom... But they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave of whatever controls you. And we have that in the church today. We have people saying, Oh no, you can sin as much as you want. And there is no sins that, that God can't forgive. And so uh, you, just, you just know that you're, you're saved and it's all under the blood. Hmm. Now, is it really? Is it really, if you continue in sin, is that really a repentant heart? Is that really turning from your sin? It's not, is it? It's, it's wallowing in your sin and saying, I got to get out of jail free card because I prayed some magical prayer. No, no, no. And there are people who who look at a church and they go, ooh, look at all the marketing opportunities I have. Look at all the people I could sell to. Right? They, they see dollar signs when they walk in the door of a church and go, look at these people I can manipulate. She seems vulnerable. He seems gullible. I'll try to sell my my wares to this person. And maybe what they're selling is okay. Or then again, maybe... It's a pyramid scheme. Maybe, maybe it's just nothing but snake oil. Maybe they've come with evil intent, and it's my job as a pastor sometimes to get them out of here and keep them out. You go, but that's not very friendly. No, it's not. (laughs) Wasn't very friendly to grab a lion by the jaw and bash him over the head either, right? But I'm not here to take care of lions. Not here to take care of bears. I'm here to take care of sheep. (laughs) Feed my sheep, Jesus says. Look after my flock. Take care of my lambs. And keep the wolf away from the door. Right? And so... There are times when we righteously have to take on an enemy who is trying to destroy God's innocent ones and club them over over the head. There, are, there is a good fight of faith that we are meant to fight, and if we don't fight it, we're not being good shepherds. Or if you, as a parent, go, "Oh, just let them make up their own mind about God," mm, no, no, not until they've reached the age of adulthood and can really make those decisions for themselves. You are not doing them any favors. Raise your children up in the fear and the love of God, Amen. right? Train up a child in the way he, sh- he or she should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Amen. But just to go, oh, do whatever you want, whatever you feel. No. Does that work out there in the real world? No. You want know, to get on the freeway? I'll just drive however I feel. <laughs> hey! <laughs> What'll happen? Right. Well, I'll cause an accident. I'll get a speeding ticket. I'll end up in jail. If I just drive the way I feel, because the way I drive is crazy if I'm driving by my feelings, right? <laughs> any Come on, any crazy drivers out there? Yeah, It's me you got to look out for. Yeah, all right. So the club, the club, and you go, but that's, uh, that's, you know, I thought Christians were all about being gentle and kind and nice, you know. Isn't Jesus just nice? When he's not always going to be nice. <laughs> he came the first time, as a sacrifice for sins and opened the way of salvation. And He's been very patient and very loving to extend grace for as long as He has. But the next time He's coming, He's coming with judgment. Yes. He's coming because time has run out. Your chances of receiving the grace will be over. Yes. And you go, and that's not very nice. <laughs> but he's, he's given us every opportunity. He's given us every opportunity. And I think that day is drawing very close. I mean, I, you know, many people think that Jesus is coming very soon and every generation has thought that, but I'm really thinking it these days. I'm like, we're getting so close. I mean, you could see the pieces on the chessboard. If, if the world is a risk game, everything is lining up for Ezekiel's war. Like, Iran wants to destroy Israel. Russia is in alignment with Iran. Like, like all this that was prophesied about by these Old Testament prophets is lining up right now in our headlines in the news, and then you have a world one world government that's right on the edge of taking over, and you're gonna they're just gonna carve up the planet by 10 regions, you can see that easily, right? And then it, it's gonna be it'll be book of Revelation stuff, and then we'll go do 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 and we'll hear a trumpet, and boom, churches will be empty. You'll go to the churches, there won't be anybody be there, all the true believers will be gone right? And probably what will happen is people that were on the edge will convert at that point and go, Oh Jesus, I messed up. Please forgive me. And those are, those are the tribulation saints that the book of Revelation talks about. We'll study more about them in December. And those people will have to stand for their faith in the midst of seven years of hell on earth. And nearly all of them will die for their faith. So, you don't want to miss that one. <laughs> you don't want to miss the first trumpet blast. The first dinner call is the one, right? Because when, when Maria rings the dinner bell, you want to be there when the food's hot, everybody. You don't want to come for the leftovers, the sloppy seconds, right? Come on. Let's get to heaven for the good stuff right away. All right. Well, the, sh- the staff, the rod, and then something else in the shepherd's bag. Point number three. I have balm. Balm. You know, they, in, in the Old Testament, they had the balm of Gilead. It was a medicinal uh, persimmon fruit that they would crush with olive oil and other herbs and spices. And they would use it if a, if, a, if a sheep got cut or wounded or or bruised or even if they broke their leg, they would wrap up the leg, put a, a you know, a stint on not a stint, but a, a, splint. a splint on it and would put balm on the wound. And a shepherd would often carry the, any lambs that were hurt and just nurse that wound with the balm, just pouring in that the oil and the wine, and and just letting that balm take its effect, the good medicine of the balm. And who, the, we we talked about it in the retreat. The Holy Spirit—it's the oil of gladness, the oil of anointing. That Spirit is that balm of God that heals us at our deep at the deepest level, and brings His presence. And here's what we see, the coming day of the Lord, here's what Peter says about it. He says, this is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through the the Apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days scoffers will come mocking the truth, following their own desires. They will say, what happens to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same, the world is first created, and they deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of His command. And He brought the earth out from the waters and surrounded it with water. And then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They they are being kept for the day of judgment when the ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come. As unexpectedly as a thief. And then the, the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this. What holy and godly lives we should live. Looking forward to the day. And, and God hurrying it along. Verse 14, So dear dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved... Fo- brother Paul, who wrote to you with wisdom that God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand. Oh, thanks, Peter. We're with you on that. Some of Paul's things are hard to grasp. And those who are ignorant and uh, unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of scripture. And this will result in their destruction. His final words, so be on your guard. Verse 17, be on your guard and you will not be carried away by the errors of the wicked people who lose their own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him both now and forever. Amen. Amen. The balm of his promises. Jesus is coming again. He is going to gather his church. Those who have said yes to him will experience eternal life. And those who have rejected him will get exactly what they've always wanted. Complete separation from God. Complete. That they've never wanted him anyway. They'll get exactly what they've asked for. We want to be intimate with the shepherd. We want him to hold us close. And he's calling you and I to be shepherds. To use the staff to guide and direct, to use the club sometimes against the enemy and to bring in the balm of Gilead, that healing virtue of Jesus and His Spirit and the Holy Spirit. Well, that's our study of Peter today. And I I think we are streaming. Yes, we are. And I believe everyone here in the room is probably a believer, but you could be watching or listening today, maybe even on the podcast today, and you're like, I know I'm not ready. If I heard the trumpet... And all the Christians disappeared. I don't think I'd be one of them. Well can I tell you. You can know. You can know if you would go or not. Have you made Christ the Lord of your life. Have you invited him in. To take control. And to forgive you of your sins. To to be number one in your life. To. To make him God. In your life. Only you know. If you've done that. But if you haven't. I'd advise that you do soon because the time is ticking. The game clock is running out. We don't know how much time we have left. Christ could come at any moment and, and you would miss it. You see, God created you and I to be with Him and our sins separate us from God. Sins can't be paid for by doing good deeds or letting your good outweigh the bad. Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and He rose again so that everyone or anyone even if you feel like I'm so far gone I've sinned so much there's no way God could forgive me oh yes there is he loves you there's no one outside of his reach his arm is not short it can reach you everyone who puts their trust in Christ can have eternal life and that life begins the moment you say yes and then you submit and you begin to walk as a disciple And He declares you righteous. It's not that you'll never sin again. It's not that you won't make mistakes again. You will. But now you have new ownership. Now you belong to God. You've been adopted into the family. And He will correct you. He's going to start guiding you. And the things that you wanted to do, you don't want to do anymore. The things that you didn't want to do, suddenly you start wanting to do. God will give you a change of heart. Well, the way you, you begin that is through a simple prayer. I call it, STP. Sorry, thank you, please. Church, let's pray this prayer for those who might be praying it with us online. Just, if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to make the exchange, just just say this, just pray this after me. Say, Dear Jesus, 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 I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for dying for for me. me. I I believe God raised you from the dead. According to the scriptures. Jesus. Please, come into my heart. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior. And be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give a loud cheer for people who are giving their lives to Jesus? Yes. I remember the way I felt when I finally turned my life over to God. Yes. It was like I still had all the garbage and all the difficulties. But suddenly I had a new outlook. I had a new perspective. Oh, I have God now. I have God to help me to strengthen me. <laughs> so thank you for being here today, everybody. Thanks for watching online. And uh, uh, you can support the ministry, just put your tithe and offering in the back of the box in the back or you can support us online through the various platforms that we're, we have. We don't have a retreat to announce anymore. We've already done that. So the upcoming events for us are our Thanksgiving potluck, so that, um, you know, the weekend that we light the star, which is coming up on, it's the Sunday after that one, so I guess that's the 23rd, November 23rd, I believe, don't quote me, somebody look at the calendar, whatever that Sunday is and uh, that's going to be a great time of, of celebration so we'll, we'll create a potluck sign up and try to figure out what our numbers are going to be and that's a great Sunday by the way to invite family members and friends if you got uh, visiting uh, family from out of town to come uh, bring them on that day especially it's a fun celebration and a lot of people uh, that's the only time they ever go to church is when they go to mom's house or they go to grandma's house or they go to your aunt's house or whatever so it's a great chance for, to get them in the house of God get them exposed to the presence of God and worship and to hear the gospel. So that's it, everybody. Why don't you stand? I'll give you the blessing and we'll get out of here. Father, thank you for your word. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. Lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Have a fantastic week. Let us know
1: how we can minister to you and bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hanson. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or, finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Reima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember... God loves you and He has a wonderful plan for your life.